1: Record is a podcast focused on the marketing and advertising industry from the perspective of two industry experts. Hosts Matt Ferrar and Joe Clements are co-founders of Strategic Digital Services, a digital marketing firm based in Tallahassee, Florida, and founded in 2014. I'm Matt Ferrar. I'm Joe Clements. And I'm Rebecca Romero. And this is the Podcast of Record. Hey, everyone. Well, uh, earlier today, Alex and I tried to record uh, the last and final episode of the Matthew Ball essay series, and we did it. Well, I spoke it, but it didn't record properly. The audio was bad. So we wanted to make sure you heard from us this week. Uh, We've been pretty inconsistent the last few weeks about getting episodes up and That's a result of uh, several things we have going on around here with the business and scheduling everybody to be in the same room at the same time. Uh, But we're going to get that straightened out over the next couple of weeks, hopefully. But wanted to make sure we get a little bit of content to you this week. Next week, I'll get that episode six of the Matthew Ball essay series re-recorded for those of you out there who are either Apple fanboys and want to jeer me over it or uh, are Apple haters and want to cheer me on over it. So today, to start out, what I a thing I would like to do is a call to action to the audience, and I haven't told Alex about this. Have I, Alex? No. You do not know. Um, a campaign I've been watching for a couple of years that's really hitting its stride right now, and you've probably seen this too if you've been on Instagram in the last two weeks, is Igloo Coolers. I think the Igloo Coolers brand case study is very unique in the in the brand space in that it is one of the few examples I mean not not a few there there's others out there but of a resurgent brand of a brand that was everywhere 20 or 30 years ago got pushed down as being a you know a almost like a cheap throwaway brand in the era of like you know Yeti when people are paying $900 for a cooler but over the last few years, Igloo has made a strong comeback. And this brand comeback has been built on influencer and Instagram marketing specifically. And so the call to action I have for listeners is if you know anybody on that Igloo brand team or that Igloo marketing team, I would love to do an episode just interviewing them about that campaign, how they set it up. Uh, What they're doing right now with the retro Igloo coolers that have come out this summer. I think the retro stuff, 80s, 90s retro is really hitting its stride right now. It's got enough nostalgia for millennials, but it's become cool for Gen Zers to get into right uh, currently. So if you know anybody on the Igloo team uh, and you think they'd be willing to do an interview uh, with us on on this brand case study, uh, podcastofrecord.com and you'll see contact us. Just fill that out. Let us know. Uh, otherwise, we're still going to talk about that campaign next week because I think it's really cool, some of the stuff that they've done. And I think it's, it's the right way to bring back a brand. And I think there's so many brands out there that have faded over 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, uh, that are right for a comeback. And I think this is a great template on how to do it. So another piece of content, uh, and this will be a little minisode, but I think it's kind of interesting is a piece of research I caught called, uh, new blogging statistics. Blogging still works, especially for the 10% of bloggers who do things very differently. Uh, And this is from a company called Orbitz Media. And every year they do a blogging survey of uh, it's about 1,200 bloggers that they survey. And I think some of the insights from this year's are interesting, Uh, either from those of you who are doing blog marketing, SEO positioning on behalf of brands, or maybe you're doing it uh, for yourself. I think some of the insights here are worth talking about, and I'm going to run through them quickly. Uh and Alex, I'm gonna use you as my foil uh to stand in place of the audience here. Sure. So um Alex, over the last uh six years, how long do you think it takes the average blog writer to draft a blog post? And do you think that time has increased or decreased since twenty fourteen? I would probably think it takes at least a couple hours to make a blog post. Mm-hmm. And it's probably gotten faster to write them, I would think. So it has gotten to take significantly more time to write them. So 2014, the average time was two hours, 24 minutes. 2020, three hours and 55 minutes. So people are putting a lot more time into blog posts with uh, a significant number of bloggers, about 20% of them now putting six plus hours uh, into a single post. So uh what's interesting is as the time spent writing has gotten longer what do you think has happened to the length of the average blog post they've gotten shorter uh nope they've actually gotten longer longer. (laughs) almost proportionately so from 2014 uh typically had 808 words to now uh the average is uh 1269 words so just under 1300 words per post uh, and people around here uh, will give me guff fairly routinely because when I do write a uh, post, it is often a longer post. But uh, that is because I do think the longer post is better over time as evergreen content. So, uh, you know, a lot of blogs, about 10% of them are 2,000 plus words now. So, you know, people are writing effectively like, you know, many novels as mm-hmm. blogs. So, uh what's interesting also, and I think a little bit of this may be driven by Substack and Medium, but the bloggers who get the best results out of their blog in terms of leads or revenue are the bloggers who are writing 3,000 plus words per entry. Wow. That's a that's a lengthy blog. Yeah. What right. I suspect is going on there are people writing about high interest niche content, where um, we talk about the interest engagement scale around here, which is if you're really interested in something, the content doesn't have to be super engaging. It can just be like somebody printed it out and handed it to you and you'll keep it forever because it's so relevant. Uh, and so I think when you're writing about uh, niche content, uh, you can go 3000 words and the audience values it. So frequency of publishing, How frequently are bloggers publishing? Well, the frequency is actually decreasing. So the most common frequency in, um, in 20, I'm sorry, this isn't over time. The most common frequency today is, uh, 57% of bloggers posting daily. Uh, the next most common is either two to three days a week or just weekly. Now, the trend has been towards um, irregular posting intervals or monthly intervals. And I think that's corresponding with some of these longer pieces where it just takes longer to put them together. So there's no way to do, uh, you know, three or four big pieces per month. Mm -hmm. I also think another thing that's going on that I've seen in the blog and independent media space is there'll be like one irregular or one monthly like big long piece. But then every day they're hitting a short you know, a short little three, 400 word entry. Kind of content that bloggers are publishing. So most bloggers are publishing, how to articles, list, and then talking about news and trends or guides and eBooks, followed by opinion, interviews, webinars, infographics, and roundups. Roundups being you kind of do a summary of what's going on on a subject with with links out to it. Um, So what is notable about that is the content that's reported to be most effective. So, Alex, what would you guess out of that list I just gave you, content likely to be most effective for bloggers? Probably news. Um, That's what I would have thought. And it's probably because you see a lot of it because bloggers write a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's actually the least effective. Oh. Uh, Opinion and news and trends uh, are the lowest. Uh, The top, webinars, roundups, guides, and Mm eBooks. So again, what what this suggests to me is there's a lot of practical, niche, in-depth things being covered in the blog world, which are driving uh, lead sales, subscriptions, conversions, are both uh, independent bloggers and companies. So the roundup, uh, I I think, is really, according to this, is an underplayed hand. And and for a while, for a couple of years, I was doing um, a weekly roundup here called The Download that I I squashed uh, back in November. And we'll probably start up something again some point this summer, which was a sort of roundup. But the roundup, for those of you in blog marketing business or you're looking to get in... To the blog space to an area that you know it's probably a really powerful and simple way to do it because you're just summarizing content that you're probably you are likely already reading as somebody who's thinking about starting a blog on it so uh typical blog post includes and this one actually this one actually surprised me um so Ninety percent include images. That's not super surprising. Most of the images I see in blogs are actually irrelevant to what's being talked about. I have a feeling if you were doing custom art for posts or custom graphs, like you would get even a more enhanced effect. And then fifty-four percent statistics, thirty-seven percent contributor quotes, twenty-five percent video. Uh, now, what's interesting: the elements in blog posts that drive results. I have the highest correlation to this element being in it and the result that the company or the blogger is seeking. Uh, videos at 34%, contributor quotes at 31% are actually the most effective for a blog. Now, what's interesting to me about that is the video seems to be, would be doing the same thing as the blog, right? It's just gonna be a video of people talking about what they're doing in the blog. What I suspect is happening there. Is there's a type of person who's likely to read a long blog, and there's a type of person who's likely to watch like an eight minute video, and they they actually are different people. So by having both the video and the written thing, you are reaching a a, a broader audience with the same amount of content. Uh, the other thing is bloggers who add more visuals get better results. So, uh, the the metric here is that like ten plus. Uh, visuals in a post, like 39% of these bloggers reported that they got better results from things where there are 10 plus visuals in them. Original research, item number six, is a a big item. I mean, again, this is one of the things I think is causing the length of blogs to increase is if you're doing this custom research on something, you're going to spend time threshing out and analyzing the research you did. Uh, but in 2018, only 25% of bloggers were doing original research. In 2020, it's 42%. So it's becoming common. Another thing that we think about a lot here, because in blogging world, uh, the the draft headline is the equivalent of a post text for us in you know the social media marketing space, or the subject line in the email marketing space, or you know the headline in direct mail, or however uh, you know whatever marketing space you're in. So one of the things they correlate uh, to success in blogs, again, sales, leads, subscriptions, is most bloggers, 61% only write two or three headline choices out that they're considering. The most successful, 11 to 19. So, I mean, they're just filling, you know, a half a page on a Google Doc with headline options. Look, we've seen that be successful around here. That actually doesn't surprise me. It's just by the time you write that blog post, a lot of people, you just get lazy about the title. you are just like, oh, I need to get this done. What's well, something yeah. I can say? Uh, what this suggests to me is a strategy, writing the title before you write the post. Hmm. So you know, roughly outline your post, your content, and then write the title ahead of time. Another trend is the amount of bloggers who work with editors. And so not just an editor doing copy editing, but an editor doing arrangement, recommending visuals, uh, you know, maybe changing sentence structure around. In 2014, um 60% of bloggers uh edited their own work. Today, 60% of bloggers uh work with an editor and the bloggers who work with multiple editors report getting better results on average. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was notable because, you know, if you write a lot and you work with an editor, the two of you will fall into like a pattern. You'll start to see the world. You'll see things the same way. But writing with multiple editors is going to give your writing a slightly different look each time you publish. And In SEO world, uh, in marketing world, like those slightly different looks can make a big difference to if you're getting indexed or if you're getting conversions. Uh, You know, what has been relatively stable? And I think this is uh, telling is bloggers promoting their content. How are they getting their content out there? Social media has been about the same. SEO has been level for a few years. Email marketing is has is really the big one now. Um, so everybody posts on social media, everybody does SEO, but distribution through email has become the primary channel. I think this is for a couple of reasons. One, substack, you can manage the list directly. Number two is because you don't have to rely on the social media companies for distribution. You own your email list, you own the distribution. Uh, the most effective, though, according to the research, uh, influencer outreach. So you basically go on Twitter and just like, you know, tweet your, you know, tweet your blog post at influencers you think it'd be relevant to and interesting. Um, so they have this. They they have this summary here that says sharing is easy. That's why everybody does it. SEO is hard. Everybody tries, but it's not always effective. Email is controllable. So you can estimate, Oh, I know if I send this email to 5,000 people, 2,300 will open and see it. Paid is expensive. So not that many people do paid distribution of blog posts. Uh, and influencer outreach is underrated. Uh, but I also think people don't do influencer outreach because it's also hard. You got to find the influencer... Tag them, you know, tweet 70 times over the course of a week with your post. So you might hear my, is that, is that me? I think that's me, my Slack going. <laughs> so scrolling down, uh, how common is SEO with bloggers? Do bloggers research keywords? Um, the answer is it's pretty mixed. Uh, 17% of bloggers never research keywords. 35% do it sometimes. Only 25% do it always. Uh, Alex, which do you think are the most successful bloggers? The people who look up the keywords. The the people who always look up the keywords. Now, again, I think the keyword piece is going to be more important if you're doing a general interest blog than if you're at a niche interest blog. Because, you know, in a real niche interest, there may only be a few thousand queries a day for that niche interest. Now, I know some SEO people will counter me on that and say, hey, no, it's even more important that you know the words those people are using because they're using very specific terminology and you need to be exactly on top of the very specific terminology they're using in order to make sure you maximize your reach. Uh, So... Sources of traffic that are most important to blogs, uh, search engines, social media, email, marketing are the top three. That's not surprising, uh, in my opinion. We're going to skip through checking their analytics. The result there is the bloggers who check the analytics of how well each thing does and then optimize based on that do better than the people who don't. Now... You know, again, you're going to have some things, you know, maybe an independent media world where it's just, you know, someone who's an artist or a hobbyist and they're writing for their own gratification. And so for them, like the the measure of success isn't are they making money on it? It's are they enjoying the process of writing it? And I, I suspect that's going to be your 12% of people who never do it. Uh, going back and updating old content is also a growing trend. Back in 2017, only 53% of bloggers did it, 2020, 70% did it. I think that's part a growth in the trend, part people trying to do some tail covering over things they wrote in the past, and part people having a lot more time on their hands last year. (laughs) But bloggers who update old posts are two times more likely to get results Part of me wonders is if that's not because Google sees an updated blog post and that preferences it in the Google uh, search rankings. So last item here, a quick chart um, of the things with the highest impact on, on blogger content success, which by the way, I think these things apply to blogs. They also would apply to a lot of social media posts as well. Publishing daily. That's the, so even if you're the type of person who's going to write a 3,000 word post once a month, post a little snippet each day of what you're thinking about or doing. So number two, write 3,000 plus word articles. That gives you a 116% chance, uh, you know, chance of success uh, over the baseline. Uh, write 10 or more draft headlines before choosing one. Research keywords for every post. Include 10, 10 images per post. Include uh, contributor post, uh, and then the rest going down the bottom of the of the other ten or stuff we've already talked about. They have less than a fifty percent uh, increase. But what I thought was really notable here, uh, the length being longer, working with editors, and then the type of content the uh, the roundup and the webinar being content that uh, people really value right now over the traditional, you know, maybe how to piece of content. So again, we'll put this link in the show notes. Uh, it's research done by Orbit Media. Uh, and You can go through and look at some of their charts. I thought it was really well done and wanted to share it with you since we couldn't get everybody in to do a news roundup today. Again, uh call to action on if you know somebody and you're a listener who works at Igloo or works on the marketing team at Igloo Uh, Would love a connection there. I think it'd be a great episode to interview uh, their people on what I think they've actually been setting up for a couple years from their influencer campaigns uh, up to launching this really on-trend, cooler branding campaign they have going for Igloo. So that is all. We'll be back next week, probably two episodes. I'll do the reread of part six of the Apple series and we will also get a news roundup cuz roundups are big performers uh done this week and it actually makes me think if we shouldn't be just putting in the roundup of what we say on the <laughs> like just linking our articles and a around we voice every week on the on the of record podcast site or on, the, on record uh, website which is podcastofrecord.com all right thank you everybody talk to you next week Of Record is hosted and produced by me, Matt Ferrar, Joe Clements, and Rebecca Romero with producer Alex Reinhardt. Of Record is recorded at Graybridge Studios in Tallahassee, Florida. This episode was edited by Alex Reinhardt. Our theme music is composed and performed by Rob Goke. Special thanks to our entire team at SDS here in Tallahassee. You can see more information about the show at our website, podcastofrecord.com. As always, we'd appreciate your reviews and ratings in your podcast app of choice. Those ratings and reviews help more people discover the show, which helps us keep delivering quality content each week. Thanks
0: for listening.